Hi, I'm Joaquin Evans, co-senior leader of Bethel Austin. I pray that Jesus ministers to you through today's message and that you are blessed deeply. If you're encouraged, please like and subscribe so you can stay up to date with all of our weekly sermons. Enjoy the message. Thank you, Jesus. It's a good day already. Jesus is in the house. Come on. And you guys got room for more good news? Uh, last week, uh, we went after healing. We had, uh, we just had some ministry time, some words of knowledge, uh, testimonies. We went after healing. Uh, God was doing some great things in the room. We've gotten some additional reports since, uh, people that God touched. But you guys remember... Uh, uh, that, uh, last Saturday night, a lady sitting over here, um, she had a tumor uh, here in her abdomen, and the tumor shrunk by about 80% during prayer. Do you guys, you guys remember that? You're there, like, it's amazing. Thank you, Jesus. And, uh, but uh, we were, I was talking with them after uh, service, and I asked them when they were heading back home. Um, so the, uh, they said Tuesday morning. And uh, Tuesday... Uh, uh, late morning, early afternoon. And so I invited them to come to the office. I said, we'll come to the office on Tuesday. We'll pray for you. Uh, some of our team will pray for you again before you go to the airport. And so uh, they jumped at that opportunity. But here's the backstory. I found out they're from California, this couple. And uh, she was in prayer. Obviously, she'd been diagnosed with cancer. And uh, she was in prayer. And God told her to go to Austin, Texas. Now, the thing is, she didn't know a, a soul in Austin, Texas. Didn't know anybody in Austin. Didn't know there was a Bethel church in Austin. But out of obedience to the word, she bought tickets for her and her husband to come to Austin. And then she was telling someone, she said, yeah, the, the Lord told me to go to Austin. It's funny, though, because I don't know anyone in Austin. I have no idea what we're going to do when we get there. We don't know anyone. And that friend said, hey, did you know that Bethel, Bethel has a church in Austin? She said, no, I didn't know that. And she said, yeah. And then uh, she said, I have a friend there, Elizabeth Reisinger. And so she connected her uh, them with Elizabeth, which is just the right person to be connected with <laughs> in, that, uh, in that situation. And so they ended up here at church. Tumor dissolved. They came Tuesday morning. Her tumor shrunk. They came Tuesday morning to get more prayer. So we pray for them as a team. They run straight from the office to the airport. They get on the plane. To fly back. Well, she sends Elizabeth a text message that Elizabeth then forwards to me. And what we didn't know, because we were we were just praying for the tumor and the cancer, what we didn't know is she, she had two metal rods in her shoulder. And she she the text message says this. She said, I have two, I didn't even tell you guys, I had two metal rods in my shoulder, and every time I ever travel, uh, it dings at the airport. I get flagged for the medal, and they have to wand me and, ha and do the hand pat and the whole thing. She said, when I flew here out of California, it dinged. I got wanded, the hand pat, the whole thing. So when I ran from your office to the airport, we went through security, and I went through the x-ray thing and didn't even realize it till I got through that it didn't ding. <laughs> for the first time ever. She said, <laughs> she said, wait, wait, wait. Wait, she said, it didn't ding. I got through, and it didn't ding. She said, wait. So she turned around to the person. She said, hey, I have metal in my shoulder. It should have dinged. And the person said, no, you don't. It didn't show. She said, let me see. So they turned the screen around, showed her the x-ray with nothing showing in her shoulder. Come on, Jesus. Come on. Jesus. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. All right, I got it. I got it transferred under there. <clears throat> Thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> he makes me happy. Do it again. That is a right prayer right there. It's a right prayer. That's a right position of the heart. God, do it again. Father, I thank you that you're in the room. Father, thank you that you're touching people in worship. 
Father, I thank you that your, that, that your word has already gone forth and healed people. That in your presence, that you are, that you are not just the healer, you are healing. That where you are, where your presence is, sickness can't stay, disease can't stay. Father, arthritis can't stay and cancer can't stay. Thank you, Jesus, that deafness can't stay. Thank you, Jesus, and we are in your perfect presence right now. So, Father, once again, we just release a wave of your grace through this room in Jesus' name. And we thank you for, for healings and miracles. We thank you for pain popping off and disappearing. We thank you for tumors dissolving and disappearing, cancer fleeing, arthritis vanishing, Father, in Jesus' name. And how many people know his goodness doesn't stop there? If he's good enough to dissolve a tumor, he's good enough to restore a marriage. Come on, if he's good enough to, to, to vanish cancer, he's good enough to heal a bank account. Come on. He's good enough to save a business. Come on. He's good enough to bring wayward children back. Come on. He's good enough to restore relationships because he is good enough because he is the king of kings. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we love your presence. I love it when God shows up. I love it when he shows off. Not for entertainment, but that he gets glory. That people would fall badly in love with him. That God wants to get the world's notice. He wants to get the world's attention because he's a good father who is madly in love with his children. He's madly in love with the world, and he wants his kids back. Come on. Wouldn't you show off if it got your kids to come running home? That had nothing to do with what I was going to preach on tonight, but I just felt right. I just felt good to say it. I felt, I felt some mindsets just shifting as I said that. That he's such a good father that he is happy to show off if it causes his kids to come running home. You know, sometimes we've, religion has taught us to struggle with the display of his goodness. But it's a false spirit. That, that the display of his goodness isn't so the world can say, look at us. It's so they can say, look at him. Look at what he has done. Look at who he is. is. Look at how good his nature really is. Yeah, so once again, God, do it again. Whoa. Just put your hand on your heart. We're going to jump into the word. But I want you to put your hand on your heart and just say this with me. Say, <laughs> That that wasn't it, but but well done anyway. (laughs) Say Jesus, expand my capacity. To have more of you. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Well, we're going to be in First uh, Corinthians, and predominantly tonight. Thank you, Jesus. And we're going to hit a few other places, and <clears throat> we're going to be in Matthew 14. Also, but I want to talk about the, the truth that invites us out of the boat. Because I love Jesus. And I love it when he shows up. And I love it when he displays the reality of his goodness. And the reality of his nearness. And it's, all, it's in the vein of what I was just sharing. But, you know, we're, as, as Bethel as a movement... Uh, has, passionate about healing and been going after healing for 
years and years, but personally, I love, I love healing, and I love, I love all the gifts. Anything that draws awe and wonder and realization to who he is, I love. But, it, but in healing, I love healing because in, the, in a single moment, there can be a transference, there should be a transference of truth and a transference of identity. In a single moment when someone who's had, who has a tumor and their tumor disappears. How many people know you pray a 30-second prayer and their tumor disappears? They're not thinking, wow, you did that. <laughs> Listen, the world is smarter than the church gives them credit for. They're like, oh, I don't want to do that. People might think it's me. No, they won't. Trust me, listen, when their tumor disappears, what happens in that moment, a couple of things are transferred that, that could take weeks and months and years to teach. There's a reality that, that happens in that moment. And number one, God must be real. <clears throat> number two, God must love me. And number three, God must be accessible because he did this. He didn't have to. He has got to be real because <laughs> I had a tumor, and now I don't. And even though he's real, he chose to touch me. He's accessible, and he loves, get it, he loves me. It's the essence of the gospel. I love it when the truth of God manifests as the reality of God. The truth of his word manifests in the reality of his love. Come on, somebody say thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> the truth that invites us out of the boat. The word of God. Jesus is the word. Amen. The word of God is power unto salvation, and it's the power of transformation. And we have the word of God in, in this book form. We also, in this day and age, we have the word of God in our tablets. We have it on audiobook. We have it on our phones. We have, we have Bible studies and commentaries right at our fingertips. Aren't you glad we have access to the word? But the word needs to have access to the world through us. That how many people know the revelation of the word isn't supposed to stop in you? That it's supposed to be able to move through you. Because that's when the world can take notice and be in awe. Thank you, Jesus. The question is, what do we do with the truth that we have available? How do we internalize it and activate what we know is true. In uh, John 8:32, it says this, then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The truth shall make you free. But do you know that word truth there in the Greek is more accurately translated reality? That you will know the reality because the reality is what truly makes you free. It's not just information, come on, that changes things. It's not just head knowledge that impacts the world. It's information that becomes transformation. Because when it's transformation is when it can become impartation. What we, we have to be able to take what we learn and internalize it until it becomes powerful. Until it becomes activated. Somebody say activated. Until it becomes the word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged short. When it becomes alive and activated inside of us is when the power of God can be released through us. Well, it got really quiet. Come on, this is good teaching. 
<laughs> Come on, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> How many people want to be doers of the word? Thank you, Father. You know, if we're not, if we're not, if we're not careful, we can, we can fall into the trap of information really can become entertainment. And it's the information that Paul talks about that puffs up. And if we're not careful, we can, we can slide in, and the, and the church has the tendency to slide in this place where we love information that, that warms us, it warms our heart. But it doesn't transform our heart. It's head knowledge. And we love to go, ooh, and oh, and wow, and we love the teacher who told us something we never heard before. So we can file it on the shelf with all the other dusty books. How many people know that's not God's heart or his plan? How many people know that God made it simple on purpose? There's a quote that I love that says, the simplicity of the gospel is its greatest stumbling block. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. How many people know his word never returns void? Thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> the truth needs to manifest as reality. It needs to be able to move through us to have impact as it was intended. How many people know that we aren't tasked as believers, as followers of Jesus, as disciples, we're not tasked to have information. We're tasked to release transformation. That we've been given the ministry of information. <laughs> We've been given the ministry of reconciliation. That when Jesus breathed on the disciples, he says, as I was sent in the world, go and release a bunch of good information. It wasn't even that funny, but I really appreciate the <laughs> encouragement. <laughs> As I was sent in the world, so I send you. That where Jesus went, he was the express image of the Father. That where he went, he brought the kingdom with him. And that where he went, he caused where he went to, to begin to transform and to line up with the reality of the kingdom. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. In in First Corinthians one three, now concerning things offered to idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. And if anyone thinks that he knows anything, he knows nothing, yet as he ought to. That knowledge can puff up, but love builds up. But I would, I would even say that love activates the power in knowledge. Because the point is that your knowledge, <clears throat> and how many people know that knowledge is not the problem? That we're, that we're to study to show ourselves to prove. We're to hunger for his word. We're to learn, but we're not to learn as a lake. We're to learn as a river. We're not just to be consumers. We're to be givers that it's supposed to not just flow to us, but through us. I would, I would even say that love activates the power of knowledge. When you, when you access the heart of the Father, Jesus said, right, we just talked about Jesus, as I was sent to the world, so I send you. The key, the key 
example of ministry that Jesus gave to the world is, I only do what I see the Father do. When we connect to the heart of the Father, we get vision. Through his heart, we get vision or purpose for the truth, for the information. Oh, this is where you want me to point the revelation gun. This is where you want that truth that you're speaking to me to have impact in the world around me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We need to have, <clears throat> we need to have purpose for the information that, that God is released to all of us, that we have access to at our fingertips, that we hunger for. Thank you, Jesus. In Matthew 14, if you got your Bibles open, turn to Matthew 14. Matthew 14, it's the story of the disciples in the boat. We're going to be, sorry, in verse 27, it's the setting context. It's the story of the disciples in the boat. They're rowing across the Sea of Galilee. They're caught in a storm, and Jesus comes walking on the water across the sea near them, and they see Jesus, and they're terrified, right? And then Jesus speaks to them. In verse 27, but immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, be of good cheer. That's a good greeting. It is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, it is, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So, so he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and began to sink. He cried out saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when he got into the boat, the wind ceased. And immediately they arrived at their destination. How many people love that story? 16 people. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, number one, Jesus is walking on water. That's pretty amazing. Number two, we know if we're caught in a storm, we can call out and he's going to come and rescue us. But number three, Peter walks on water. That's even cooler because it means not just Jesus can do it, we're supposed to do it also. But listen, we love this. We love this. Oh, Peter stepped out of the boat and he walked on water. But guess what? Peter walked on water, but he also sank. <laughs> you know that that Peter that Peter sank when he saw the, the the winds and he saw the waves. That he took his eyes off of Jesus and he started to to sink. But he cried out to Jesus, "Help me!" And I love this. Immediately, Jesus responded. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand, and he pulled him up, and then Jesus says this, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got in the boat, the wind ceased, and they arrived at their destination. But listen, I used to take that as a rebuke, that Jesus rebuked Peter, like, oh, why, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Come on, Peter, when are you going to get this figured out? But what if, listen, that doesn't really line up with the nature of our king. And I begin to see it through new eyes. What if instead of a rebuke, it was an encouragement? What if he's holding Peter's hands? Now, this is the Jesus that we know. He's holding Peter's hands as, Peter, as he's sinking, and he's pulling him up, and he's looking him in the eyes, our Savior, our King, our lover. And he says to Peter, oh, Peter, why did you doubt? And he's transferring an infusion of courage and instruction, and impartation. And he's saying, Peter, you could have kept going. You had it within your ability to do the impossible. But do you know what happened at that moment? Listen, it doesn't say that Peter jumped back up and started you know, running around the boat on the lake. No, he got in the boat and he got to their destination, but something sunk in 
to Peter. It got internalized. It became part of his fabric. It wasn't just any longer just information. But do you know what happened? Peter became the head of the church. Peter raised the dead. Peter did many miraculous things. Why? Because Jesus infused courage and strength to him in that moment. And the next time Peter faced an impossible situation, the moment he was about to doubt, courage filled his heart. He went, oh, I can do this. I know because I learned. Listen, I learned from my failure. Listen, can I... Getting wet is not the worst thing that can happen to you. Listen, we're talking about... We're talking about truth that calls you out of the boat. Getting wet is not the worst thing that can happen for you because it creates a hunger to internalize the truth that Jesus has given to you so the next time you can step out in the impossible. Do you know one of the best things that you can do? Now, follow me, follow me before you get upset with me, one of the best things you can do is you can go and you can try to witness to someone and realize you don't have the right answers. That you can witness to someone and realize you don't have the, the right verses at hand. Why? Because what that is supposed to do is push you back into this place of like, oh, now I know what I need. Here's the, here's, the, here's the crux of this. We get all this information. But if we're not willing to step out of the boat, that information stays dusty on the shelf. It's, it's, our, it's our willingness to take that information and go, I don't know what's about to happen, but I'm going to try. That activates the power. In the truth, come on, somebody, that turns, that, that causes truth to manifest as reality. Now, I, told, I, I taught on this a few weeks ago, but truth is powerful. Absolutely, truth is powerful. Reality is more powerful. It's, that's true. <laughs> Let me give you an example. Listen, you can, you can experience truth without reality, but you can't experience reality without the truth. What do I mean? I can tell you about, I can tell you about Switzerland, if you've never been. I can tell you about the beauty of Switzerland and the mountains of Switzerland. I can tell you all about uh, the meadows and flowers, and I am telling you the truth. Are you with me? But that's not the same as you stepping foot in the same meadow that I was telling you about and seeing the flowers, and seeing the snow-capped mountains. How many people know you got a greater infusion of reality from standing, from experiencing it for yourself than just being told what was true? It didn't make what I told you wrong. The power of you experiencing it was even more true. It's multi-dimensional. The truth that I told you was limited in its capacity. Thank you, Jesus. But we are called to be conduits of the truth so that it manifests as reality. We don't want to just know that Jesus is the healer. We don't want to just know that Jesus is the healer. We want to manifest Jesus as the healer. <clears throat> we don't want to just know that Jesus is the Savior. We want to manifest Jesus as the Savior. Thank you, Jesus. One of the best things you can do is, is pray for the sick and realize you don't know how to see them healed. Because it's going to send you back to the classroom. That's what's meant to happen. 
Listen, how many people you, high school or college, how many people you had some classes you really didn't, I'll put it this way, you didn't care about the classes because you didn't have a compartment for their reality yet. Listen, I took, you know, in college I took lots of classes that were, that were prerequisites, you know, they were, they were just getting through so I could graduate, so I could get a grade. And I didn't have a compartment, like where, how am I going to really use this? What is this going to mean? Right? And I would study and I would, and I would re- regurgitate the information. And I would take the test and I would do all right. I was a pretty good student. I would do, I would do good and six months later, I knew none of it. Why? Because it was just Information. How many people know if you if you run a business, you're a couple years into running a business, and you're like got all the struggles and the trials and the the challenges and the ups and the downs, and you're like, oh, I need to get better at this, and so you sign up for a night class, you take some business classes. How many people know your experience of that class is way different than what I just described? <laughs> your your instructor starts to give you some information, and you're the one with your hand up. You're like, what you said is great. How does that work? Right? You're like, whoa, 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 stop. Wait, what you just said? Awesome. That information, how does it work? Tell me where, how do I implement that? How do I plug that? How do I make it work? What challenges have you faced with that information? How have you got over to tell me everything? Because I need to use it. I have a target for the information. Come on, do you have a target? Do you have a target for the word of God? Come on. You know, one thing I love about the church is that God has made us, he has gifted us uniquely on purpose. Here's the beautiful thing is that your target doesn't have to look like someone else's target. Your target isn't supposed to look like someone else's target. Someone, someone is evangelizing on street corners, but someone else has to be caring for the orphans. Someone else is ministering to CEO and high-rise buildings, and someone else is ministering to people under the bridge. Come on, someone is, is infiltrating uh, schools and education system with the truth of the good news. Listen, we all have different targets because it's only together that we're the full representation of Christ to the world. I'm not asking you if your target looks like someone else's target. I'm asking you, do you have a target? <laughs> this is going to get you. But that's all right. I don't mind. All right, Tori has this quote. We are too busy to pray, and so we are too busy to have power. We have a great deal of activity, but we accomplish little. Many services, but few conversions. Much machinery, but few results. What if we became the church of less machinery but more results? Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We, we've talked about it many times, but the, the, the Chinese church, the underground church, or now the Iranian church, fastest growing church in the world. And many of these, many of these situations, they don't, they don't have the whole Bible in a myriad of translations, let alone it in digital format. And that, like, they have pages torn out. And they, man, they got, they got five chapters. They got front and back pages torn out and they memorize it. And they pass it around and they share pages. But yet, they don't have a choice. 
but to live by even that, those nuggets of truth that they have. They exercise them. They glean from them. To a hungry man, even a bitter thing is sweet. How many people know starving people don't leave leftovers on the plate? They ingest it all because it's needed. There's purpose for it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Also in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, just going to read a few. I'm going to hit a few verses. Corinthians 1, verse 17, and I encourage you just to go read, read it all, but I'm going to hit some, some verses. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with the wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom, listen to this, for since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God. <laughs> I hear someone laughing hysterically out there. It pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. Can I hit that again? In the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom didn't know God. That means that God, in his infinite wisdom, he set it up so that it wasn't wisdom that would give people access to God. Oh, like how much knowledge do you have? How many degrees do you have? How learned are you? How much wisdom? Yes, you're approved. Come into the kingdom. Aren't you glad that's not how it works? It pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. Verse 27, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. Come on. Can I have the worship team come back up, please? You've heard, me, you've heard me say this many times. For, for us, especially us in the Western church, the challenge usually isn't the fact that we need to know more. The challenge is that we need to expect more from what we already know. Our challenge in the West in particular, isn't that we need to know more. Our challenge is that we need to expect more from what we already know. We already, we already know enough to change the world. Can I say that again? We already know enough to change the world. We just aren't stepping out of the boat yet. <laughs> Many people in this room are stepping out of the boat over and over again. And many more are going to be stepping out of the boat after tonight. But listen, it's, it's, it's false religion that teaches you that you need dusty stacks of knowledge. And that when your knowledge reaches the ceiling, then you will be released by God to have power and signs and wonders and be mighty. The problem is the pace that we're on is that we'll be 840 before it reaches the ceiling. So I guess I'm counted out. That's what religion tells us. That's not what the gospel tells us. That's not the message that Paul preached. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. Again, I'm going to read this verse again, 17. 
For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, let the, let the, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. And here we're going to end here. First Corinthians, just jumping down into chapter 2. And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Thank you, Jesus. Listen, do we trust him? Do we trust him? Do you trust him? And do you believe he's good? <laughs> like, whoop. That just became transformational. Listen, do you believe that he's a good father? Because here's part of the challenge. When you fall out of the boat, do you believe that he's going to rebuke you or do you believe that he's going to encourage you? Because here's the, here's the key. We're called to fall out of the boat sometimes. We're not, he doesn't call us experts, he calls us children. Nowhere does it say, come to me all my experts. In fact, Jesus soundly rebuked that crowd. Gather the children to me. Listen, we're called to fall out of the boat sometimes because by God's equation, he says, good. Now you're getting it. What you didn't have a compartment for before. What you didn't know that you needed this information, like, yeah, you heard it, you, you went to six conferences about it, but you didn't really hear it. You didn't really ingest it. You just put it on the shelf. You didn't have a compartment. Now you're wet. <laughs> and now you're hungry. <laughs> now you're ready to hear with a listening ear. Wait, wait, wait. What was that you said about faith? What was that you said about not doubting? <laughs> Listen. You only need to know how to walk on water if you intend to step out of the boat. Whoa. Thank you, Jesus. God's about to empower people, some people in this room with downloads of revelation. Why? As soon as you give, allow him to give you a target, he'll give you the resource to be the source. That God wants a beautiful and proud bride. He wants to look at his church. He wants to breathe on his church and say, as I was sent into the world, so I send you. Go and preach. Go and tell them the good news. But don't get caught up in the wisdom of the world in elegant speech. Don't fall into the trap of religion of, oh, let me tell you something you never heard before so you can go ooh and ah and then never do anything with it. It's not in the eloquent speech. It's in the revelation of Jesus Christ and him crucified. You know enough. Come on. If you want Jesus to touch your heart in a new way, if you want to allow God to give you a target, if you're asking God, listen, if you're asking God to call you out of the boat, now here's the trick. <laughs> He's not going to tell you what's going to happen until you ask until you step out, until you say, all right, God, I got one foot out. <laughs> we want it cushy. We want it warm. We want it while we're having snacks. 
Tell me all, oh, okay, there it is. All right, okay, you promised that, okay, I got it now. All right, great. Okay, hey guys, I'm gonna go walk on water because Jesus told me all about it. Nope. He's not even gonna tell you until you got one foot out of the boat. Well, come on. If you want Jesus, if you're inviting him, if you're asking him to invite you out of the boat, I just want you to stand up. But I want to encourage you. When you get wet, it's part of the plan. When you get wet, it's part of the plan. When you step out and pray for someone and they don't get healed, it's part of the plan. It's not the eternal plan. It's not the forever plan. It's not the always plan. It's the plan to make you hungry for what you didn't know that you didn't know. Now you know what you didn't know. <laughs> it's part of the plan. When you step out of the boat and you get wet, come on, when you go to witness, when you step out in the supermarket and you're, you're like, oh, I feel like I should talk to that person, tell them about Jesus, and your palms get sweaty and your mouth gets clammy, and you're like, oh, hey, can I tell you about Jesus? And you fumble your words, and like they don't get saved, and they think you're kind of strange. It's okay. It's part of the plan. Guess what? It pushes you back to the Father in prayer. It pushes you back to the Word. And guess what? You do better next time. And then you do even better the next time, and then better the next time, and then better the next time. But you don't get there as an expert. You get there as a child. Put your hand on your heart. He's a good father. He's a good father. When you fall out of the boat, he's not going to rebuke you. He's going to encourage you. That's number one. Declare to him. Declare to yourself. Declare. Let your heart know that he's a good father. Just tell him, you're a good father. You're a good father, and I trust you, and I know, and I know, say it out loud, that you're going to encourage me. So I invite you to call me out of the boat. And Jesus, I ask for a target. I don't just say it out loud because you're in church and that's what good Christians do, repeat whatever the pastor says. No, ask him to give you a target. When? Right now. He's good yesterday, today, and forever. He wants to speak to you right now. Ask him again. Say, Jesus, give me a target. A target for his truth, a target for the word, a target for his goodness, a target, and let him speak to you right now. In Jesus' name. Now, he called, he called his disciples to be fisher, fishers of men. But look who he called. He called literal fishermen who even to this day, right? It's not a clean job, but especially in that day, dirty, grimy, stinky, uneducated, he called to be his disciples. Tax collectors, unpopular. unpopular, ridiculed, hated, ostracized. He called to be his disciples. He doesn't need experts. He needs, he needs those who will say, I got nothing left. I might as well see what happens. Oh, I got wet that time. Back to the drawing board. ministering to everyone in here but there's some that he's calling 
to be fishers of men right now. And I don't, that doesn't just mean that you have to be an evangelist who stands up in public benches and preaches the gospel, although that is a wonderful and powerful thing. But he's given you a real, real, real target. He's given you a real target. And I breathe, there's grace for empowerment. I can feel the fuel of his fire of impartation. I don't want to just be a releaser of information. I want to be an imparter of reality. But if you feel that that's you, that God is stirring in you a real, a real target, I just want to invite you to come to the front and we're going to pray. The team's going to worship over you. If you just can let God just can hang out in the presence and let God speak to you in a in a minute we're going to have our ministry team come up here and they're going to be up here to pray for any needs that you have physical needs emotional needs relational needs but listen if God is calling you to be a fisher of men like literally he's speaking to you, he's stirring something in your heart that you're like yes yes God I want to step out of the boat even before I know the answer, before I have the solution, before I know the end of the formula. Sometimes before I even know the question, if God's really calling you right now, he's calling you to be fishers of men. But listen, that can be in business. It's only all together that we are the full representation. That can be in ch that can be to children that he's sending you. That can be to missions that he's sending you. That can be to education that he's sending you. That can be to arts and media and entertainment that he's sending you. It doesn't matter, but he's giving you a target. Yeah. Come on, team. We invite you. I invite you to come up here. We're just going to pray over these ones up here. The team's going to lead us in worship. Just let God just speak to your heart. And we release you to go in, in a few minutes. It'll be time to pick up the children from Children's Church. But we release you at any point tonight that you're ready to go. We release you. We bless you. May you go out more dangerous than you came in. May you go out ready to step out of the boat and be activated. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We bless you, we bless you, we bless you. Hey, I just want to pray for these ones up here. So ministry team will do that later. Right now, you just walk around and just pray for people. Yeah, so we bless this. Thank you. We bless you tonight in Jesus' name. May you be activated in the truth and the reality his gospel and his goodness in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Team, just worship over us tonight. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit BethelATX.com.